Um, Genesis chapter 2, we'll get there in just a minute. Look, I realize I don't have much time. I've got about 15 minutes. I kind of knew that going in. I prepared a regular message, but I kind of knew with all the stuff we were going to try to do today uh, over Valentine weekend that I would be cut short, but that's okay because the subject today is very basic and it's very simple. And if you get it, it can have profound implications on the companionship that's in alive and well in your relationship or in your marriage. Uh, I read a funny story. Got to share it with you. Uh, this couple came to the pastor's office because they were at their wit's end. They just didn't know how to improve their marriage. Uh, the first several minutes of that meeting were just terribly awkward. Uh, the pastor, experienced as he was, he couldn't get anything out of the wife. She just wasn't participating. Finally, he knew because he was wise and old and experienced, he knew exactly what the situation needed. He walked over there, got out of his desk chair, walked over there, pulled her from the chair, wrapped his arms around her, and I mean kissed her passionately for like 20 seconds. And then he sat her down. He looked at her husband and he said, there, that's all she needs about three times a week. And the the man looked up bewildered and said, but preacher, I can only get here on Thursdays. (laughs) I promise you I do not counsel like that, but I can help your marriage because the timeless principles in this book have been aiding, benefiting, and encouraging husbands, wives, men and women in relationships uh, for literally thousands of years. This is a series on relationships. Please don't make the mistake of assuming, well, since I'm not married or since I'm not in a committed, serious relationship with an eye toward marriage, that this has nothing to do with me. There's no way I can benefit from this. Nothing could be farther from the truth. If you are not in a relationship and you wait until you are into a relationship to start figuring it out, you've waited too long. So whatever I give you today, whatever Genesis chapter 2 reveals to us again today, I want you to put it away somewhere, tuck it back in the back recesses of your mind, so that you might draw on it when you get into that lasting and committed relationship. Uh, Last time we talked from Genesis chapter 2 about this subject of trust. Trust is the environment uh, most of us came up in. I told you last time that God's design, by God's design, a husband and wife find one another, a man and woman, they find one another, they commit to one another, and they leave one trusting environment that they might establish another trusting environment for the next generation. In fact, we read from Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, that is why, because God made men for women and women for men, that is why, or for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. Uh, that's what we talked about last time. Even if you have untrustworthy parents as a child growing up, every child is still born with an innate desire to trust them. Uh, a child senses the provision that parents offer, the security that parents offer. Uh, and so a child grows up with a hunger for that kind of trust, even if that child could never explain that to you. That's what's happening. So according to Genesis chapter 2, we leave that trusting environment and we find someone that we commit to for life, husbands, wives, and we establish a new trusting environment for the very next generation. Uh, today we're going to talk about how two become one in this idea of companionship. I find it very interesting uh, how often I see opposites attracting. Uh, it's not just Mike and Amy. It's not just Jason and Michelle. Uh, it's not just many of you. Very often in relationships, opposites do attract. Today we're going to talk a little bit about why. I think by God's designs, husbands and wives 
provide companionship to one another, and that's the way we like it. Remember what Michelle just said. Often we're attracted to someone we admire. They have characteristics, they have attributes about them, their personality, their strengths that we most admire. I told you in 30 years of performing marriages, I've never married two of the same personality type. Uh, It would be very boring, if not volatile, for me to be married to myself. Uh, for you to be married to yourself. More often than not, we see something in someone else that's unlike us. Maybe it's a weakness in us. Maybe we wish we could do a little better in that area. And we gravitate to that. We're attracted to that. That is by God's design, according to Genesis chapter 2. Man was incomplete without woman. Woman is incomplete without man. Put them together. And the new whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Man and woman, the Bible says, not the same sex. Parents, it is your obligation and responsibility in today's current climate to make sure your children understand the creation dynamic of Genesis chapter 2. Your God, your creator, created a woman to fulfill a man and a man to fulfill a woman. The companionship that is, that is possible between husbands and wives cannot be matched by two husbands. It cannot be matched by two wives. No matter what culture, no matter what society tells us, same-sex marriage is not the same. It is not only unbiblical, it is incapable of producing the kind of companionship That a husband and wife can because God says in Genesis chapter 2 that he made woman for man and man for woman. Not man for man and not woman for woman. I bring that to your attention because there is a cultural monsoon underway and it's been underway for at least 30 years, my adult lifetime, whereby men and women are sought to be seen as same. Same. Equal, yes, but same, absolutely not. Men and women are very different. Don't let popular culture, don't let some talking head on the television screen, don't let some radio talk show host, don't let some author or writer, don't let anyone ever try and convince you that men and women are the same because they're not. Men are distinct and in and of themselves. We'll talk about why in a moment. And so are women. God said, I put them together and two become one. Read with me the same passage we read last time. I'll make a few comments and then give you one point and I'll quit. Start in verse 18 of Genesis chapter 2. This is the sixth day of creation. Sixth day of creation. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, ladies, I told you last time, don't let that word helper bother you. That is not a demeaning term. That is a dignified term. The term helper is often used as a name for God. In Psalm 33, verse 20, for instance, the Bible says or refers to God as our helper. He's our shield. You need to understand that. The word suitable is equally interesting to me. It means corresponding completer. Again, I am not completed by another man. I am completed by a woman, according to Genesis chapter 2. Skip down to the end of verse 20. So for Adam, no suitable helper was found. I mean, there were birds flying around, there were beasts in the field, there were chimpanzees here and there, there were fish in the water, but for Adam, there was no corresponding completer. So, verse 21, the Lord God caused the woman, the man to fall into a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and he closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. He brought her to the man. The man says, verse 23, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman for she was taken out of man. For this reason, or that is why, 
A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now, I want to make sure that you're not hearing me say something that I'm not trying to say. I am not saying that if you are not married, if you are not in a loving, committed relationship with an eye toward marriage, that somehow you are incomplete. That's not the point I'm trying to make. I'm not saying that you are incapable of managing your own life, of excelling or achieving or accomplishing or loving or whatever. I'm not saying you can't be a great dad, a world-class mom. I'm not saying anything, any of those things. What I am saying, however, is according to Genesis chapter 2, God made man and said, he's not good by himself. I'll make woman, for woman will complete man, and man will complete woman. If you think for a moment that I'm trying to tell you because you're unmarried, somehow you're incomplete. No, all I'm saying is two are better than one. You wouldn't argue with that, would you? Two are better than one. Book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 gives about six examples why two are better than one. That's what God is saying, and that is the foundation uh, for marriage in the Scripture. Uh, The reason men and women are different is it's really a matter of our brains. Um, Twenty-five years ago, a man by the name of Dr. John Gray wrote a series of books entitled Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. Remember that? He made himself a gazillion dollars pointing out what the Bible says very succinctly and repetitively. Men and women are distinct creations by God. Men and women are different, and it's primarily because their brains are different. For instance, and I feel pretty good about this, did you know my brain is much bigger than my wife's brain? Did you know that? (laughs) Husbands, it is very likely that your brain is much bigger than your wife's brain, but that's only because your head is much bigger than your wife's head. Okay, doesn't mean you're smarter, doesn't mean you have more on the ball. When Dr. John Gray said men are from Mars and women are from Venus, what he's saying there is men have a brain that works one way and women have a brain that works another. Uh, you've heard me talk about this. I've used a filing cabinet as an example of a man's brain. I've used a ball or a wad of fiber optic cable as a woman's brain. One of the latest things or images or analogies I've seen going around is this one. A man's brain is like that waffle, okay? There's a book out there. A man's brain is like a waffle. Do you see the compartments in that waffle? That's the way a man's brain is. That's the way a man's brain functions. Uh, men are not multitaskers, typically, because we go from one compartment to another. Men are very compartmentalized. If that is your brain, men, ladies, if that's your man's brain, you need to understand one of those compartments is his work. And one of those compartments is his family. And one of those compartments is his recreation. And believe it or not, there's one of those compartments in that waffle we'll call the nothing compartment. And it does exist, ladies. When your husband comes home at the end of a long day and he plops down in that recliner and he hits, turns on Sports Center or the news or something, and you ask him, what are you doing? And he responds, nothing. He is being honest with you. He is being 100% honest with you because unlike you ladies, your brain doesn't look like this. Our brains have a nothing compartment. When you say, what you thinking? And he says nothing. He's being honest with you because we actually have a spot in our brain, a place we can go to where we do nothing. Women aren't like this. Women aren't like this. Men compartmentalized, and they favor the left side of their brain. Did you know that? 
Do you know that the brain basically is divided into five areas or five quadrants? There's the front and the back, the right and the left, and then the midbrain. And each one of those areas or each one of those quadrants is responsible for some things. For instance, if I asked you to add two plus two, you would use the right back, excuse me, the left back part of your brain, and you would calculate two plus two equals four. If I were Dr. Frankenstein and I could remove that part of your brain and then ask you the same question, having holding that part of your brain in my hand, what is two plus two? You wouldn't be able to do it. You'd have to teach the rest of your brain to learn how to do math because typically that's where we do math. Well, guess what? Men favor that side of the brain. That's why men are typically so logical in the arguments. That's why men are more interested in the facts and far less aware of emotional uh, relational needs. That's why, ladies, I guarantee you there's been at least one time you've been mad at your husband because he doesn't seem to feel what you're feeling about whatever the problem is, right? That's because in that left brain waffle, he's gone to that relationship compartment, he's gone through that filing cabinet, and it's not about right brain feelings, it's about left brain logic, left brain language, left brain facts. A woman's brain, nothing like that. A woman's brain looks like this. Again, I didn't say this, that's what the book says, okay? The book says a man's brain is a compartmentalized waffle and that a woman's brain is like spaghetti, a big plate of spaghetti. If I grabbed a noodle in the front left quadrant of a lady's brain and I started pulling it, it might travel through the back and through the side and back up to the front and then back to the back. That's because... A woman, while she favors the right side of her brain, men favor the left, women favor the right, can draw from both sides of her brain at the very same time. Everything in a woman's brain is connected. That is why, men, when you're trying to talk with your wife and she starts recalling a painful memory, left brain, she pulls the memory and she starts crying right brain, you don't know how to respond to that because typically we don't do that, except Morel. Evidently, Morel does a lot of crying. Hey, I was at that wedding, and it was beautiful. Thanks for letting me have a little fun with you there, buddy. Uh, typically, men don't do that. Typically, I can recall one of the most painful memories, several of the most painful memories of my life, 20 and 30 and 40 years ago, using the left brain, and my right brain might as well be asleep because I'm not going to tear up. I'm not going to remember how it felt. But a woman can. That's because she is bilateral when she thinks, while men are unilateral. We go to one side or another at one time, from one compartment to another, one at a time. A woman pulls from both sides at the same time all the time. That's why a woman can be a far better multitasker than a man. A woman can do four different things at one time and do them well because she's using both sides of her brain at one time. A man, on the other hand, can block out everything. The house can be burning down. And if that man wants to, he can stay in that compartment until he finishes the task. It makes men very focused. It makes men very determination uh, determined because they can stay in one compartment after another. So when we talk about the differences between men and women and why I'm attracted to a woman who's nothing like me, we're talking about brain chemistry. We're talking about how her brain ver works versus how my brain works. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 that it was not good for man to stand there all by himself, left brain dominant, 
compartmentalizer. That just wasn't going to cut it. That wouldn't be the best environment to raise a child. That wouldn't be the greatest relationship to establish a family. So what did he do? He brought a right brain dominant bilateral thinking woman to complete man. Man completes woman and woman completes man. The point I want you to get out of this is this, and it's very simple. You can either respect those differences, which is what this book instructs us to do, or you can resent them. You can either respect those differences. I can either respect my wife's right brain tendency. It makes her more aware of relational needs. It makes her more emotional. It makes her more sensitive toward others. I can either uh, respect it or I can let it get to me and then grow to resent it. Okay? The choice is yours. When the Bible in Ephesians chapter 5 or Colossians chapter 5 or 1 Peter chapter 3, I think it is, When the Bible talks about husbands loving wives and wives admiring and honoring husbands, this is what it's talking about. It's talking about a conscious decision you make as a husband to validate her right brainness and her conscious decision to validate your left brainness. I have a choice every day, every circumstance, every argument. I can resent her because she thinks like a woman or I can respect her because she thinks like a woman. The choice is mine. Great example of that is this, and with this I'll quit. Everybody knows what this is. This is a fishing pole, a fishing rod. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried this or not. I have actually done this before when there were two of us that wanted to fish and only one fishing rod. You can fish with just a reel. You ever done that? You can tie a hook to the end. You can snap on a few sinkers. You can hook a float or a cork to the end, and you can throw this thing out without a fishing pole. I don't know if you know that or not, but you can. I have caught fish with just a reel. The other guy, he gets a piece of string and ties it on the end here, again, with the hook, snap on a few sinkers, connect the float, and he or she can catch fish with just the rod. Now, this is like the husband, and this is like the wife. Both can catch fish. Both are fully capable. Both are equally important, but they are very different. What happens when you put them together, however, is you exponentially increase your chances of catching fish. When they're together, I can catch more fish and I can catch them faster. When they're together, I can get to where the fish are. When they're together, I have a greater potential, a greater capacity to catch more and bigger fish because I put the rod with the reel. And again, here comes again. The new hole is far greater than the sum of simply the parts. This is important. This works a whole lot better with this. This is important, but it works a whole lot better with this. Both are equal, both are capable, both are dignified and have their place. But when you put them together, the sky is the limit. And we call that companionship. And there is no other relationship available to humankind on planet Earth like the husband-wife relationship. Deepest opportunity for lifelong commitment and companionship is in marriage. And I trust that whether you're married or dating or thinking about it, or hoping one day with fingers crossed to find that special person and make a quality home, I hope you'll remember that. You can either respect those differences, knowing when we put them together we're stronger than we were alone, or you can resent them and bicker over them for the rest of your lives. I hope you won't. I hope you'll choose the former and not the latter. 
My time's up. Let's have a prayer. Thank you for your attention today. God, I am grateful for this time of year. Valentine's Day reminds us of uh, special people in our lives. At the same time, it can be difficult for those who haven't found that special someone yet. Uh, or maybe those who've recently lost that special someone. So, so that makes my heart heavy. And I just pray, God, that you will remind us that in you we have what we need. Uh, and, and when we find that person, we can start building the companionship with. Father, I pray that you'll help us do so in a way that honors you. A way that ex- is explained in your book. Father, teach us that we don't think like our mates. We don't think like our boyfriends or girlfriends. Uh, and we can either resent that. We can let that bother us. That can become the wedge that separates us. Or we can celebrate it by respecting it. Teach us to respect it, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, God bless you, Grace Community Church. Make it a fantastic week. Happy Valentine's Day. I'll see you next time.